Amen. Merry Christmas. Everybody doing well? Everybody excited about Christmas? All right. A little bit. Uh, well, let me just say this. This is a, a season we ought to be excited about, and uh, it's a moment we ought to be excited about. It's a miracle. And so the thing is, as we gather and we celebrate Christmas, a lot of times we, we lose sight of what Christmas is really about, and it can wear us out. We can become weary and tired. Uh, like many of you guys, you may have already been to multiple meals, maybe multiple Christmas parties. Uh, maybe you have uh, already gathered with uh, family multiple times. Or maybe you know, you're, you're trying to work that out. Maybe it's tonight. Maybe it's today. I don't know. Uh, I see people coming and going and they're kind of hurried. But you've also had to buy presents and wrap presents and fix meals and prepare meals. And maybe you're wore out. And, uh, you know, you've got to gather with maybe some family that's a little bit weird. Or maybe you're that weird person. I don't know. But anyway, so the thing is, is you're, you've been going, going, going. So maybe you just need to say, hey, you know what, let's just take a minute. So I want everybody to take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath and go, and then let it out and just say, you know what? It's good. It's Christmas. We get to celebrate the birth of our Savior. That's what we're celebrating. And so Christmas is a special time, and I know sometimes we can, we can lose sight of what it's really all about. We can miss the message of the Messiah. We can get caught up in the busyness and the hurriedness and the, the rush of, of the Christmas season, the crazy traffic. I mean, you know, you, you think, you know, like Millbrook and Prattville, you don't think of them as having a whole lot of traffic until here the last few days. You're like, dude, it, man, what is up with the traffic? Uh, you know, I've been in little small towns, and it can get the same way. You're like, you need dynamite to stir the traffic. You're like, what is going on? But it's like everybody comes to town. I don't know, but, man, I'm just saying it is crazy. And it can stress you out. It can wear you out. And so it's important, I think, for us to kind of refocus and say, you know what? What is this season about? And so that's what we're doing today. We're talking about the miracle of incarnation. The miracle of incarnation. We've been in this series talking about miracles, and it's the miracles of Christmas. It's a miracle. So incarnation, it's a big word, and you might go, what in the world does that mean? It says the word literally means the act of clothing with flesh. The act of clothing with flesh. And, it's, and, and, and if you were to look it up, it would say it's a deity, a deity or a God taking on flesh. And, and so whenever we, we draw to this, this season... Oftentimes, what we think of is we think of, you know, Luke chapter 2. And we were in Luke chapter 1 last week. And, and uh, tomorrow night for the, uh, for the Christmas Eve service, we'll probably be in Luke chapter 2. I don't want to promise that, but I'm just saying that's probably where we'll be. Um, but the thing is, is what we see is uh, we, see, we see God doing something miraculous. Uh, we see incarnation taking place. And so what we often do is we go to Luke or we go to Matthew. But today I want us to go to the Gospel of John. And uh, if you've got your Bibles or if you've got your uh, outline, you can kind of follow along. It says, In the beginning the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. And John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. And the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world, the very world he created. But the, word, the world did not, did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who received him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. 
not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so the Word became human and made His home among us, and He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Man, I love reading that out of John. And so here's the thing. As we gather at this time, like I said, and oftentimes our focus becomes, whenever we do think about the spiritual, we think about the manger scene. That's where our thoughts go. We think about the heavenly host, you know, and we, and we think about the angels in the sky, the shepherds on the hillside, and that's kind of where we go. But I love to maybe dig into the theological side of things today and just say, all right, let's look at the Word becoming flesh. Literally, the incarnation of God putting on human flesh, Jesus. And, and so, as we gather today, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit different focus, and I hope that you can, you know, see some of the things here. But when we look back at this, and we, we read this, and we read, you know, even in Matthew, Matthew kind of gives a genealogy, and I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus is the last birth that is spoken of in the Bible whenever we get into the New Testament. It's the last birth account. You have John the Baptist. We just talked about that. And Jesus said, hey, there's no man greater born of woman than John the Baptist. And we, we know about his story. And then we hear about Jesus and his birth and, and, and the miraculous virgin birth. And then there's not another genealogy that we see in the New Testament is either. Everything all the way from Genesis to Malachi is pointing to this moment, is moving towards this. And it's like God has, has orchestrated all of the Old Testament pointing to this. Jesus would be the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so we see that everything is pointing here is the birth of Jesus Christ is the birth of the Messiah. It is this virgin birth. Everything's pointing to this moment. And, and so what we see is, is literally God is, is, is bringing it to this point and then it'll go out from there as the gospel. So here's, here's, here's the question that we have to ask is, is what does the incarnation mean to me? A lot of times, you know, we hear, we hear a word like that, incarnation, like, man, that's a big word, sounds like a seminary type word. And it can be, but here's the thing, it's really... We've already defined it, so we know what it is. It's, the, it's literally the Word becoming flesh. It's God becoming flesh, putting on humanity. And so all right, we know what that is. So what does that mean for me? And so that's the question I think we always have to ask is, God, I, I see what your Word says, but what does that mean for me here and today? What does that mean in my life? How does that, how does that apply? How does that you know, match up with anything I'm going through? And so I want, I want you to kind of look at this. So what does the incarnation mean for me? Here, you know what? God loves me enough to pursue me. God loves me enough to pursue me. For us to get our mind around the fact that God would, would literally leave heaven and invade earth, which He had created, which he, he spoke into existence, and that's what John is saying there. He came into the very world He created, but the world did not recognize Him. And so John is saying, hey, listen, God left heaven and came in the form of Jesus and, and so whenever we begin to get our mind around that, we go, God left heaven. He's pursuing me. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing all those that are far from Him. And so, if anything, we begin to go, man, what a loving God. What a loving God that loves me so much that He would pursue me, that He would come into this tangled, messed up, jacked up world that we live in to pursue a relationship with me, to pursue a relationship with you. God loves me that much. And so if you can't get anything else out of the incarnation, you look at that and you go, you know what? God does love me. He does pursue me. He comes after me. He chases after me. And, and so when I, when I look at that, I, I go, you know, God, thank you for loving me. We're singing the song 
earlier, you know, worthy of your name. He is worthy of His name. He's worthy of His name, Messiah, Promised One, Healer, Redeemer. I mean, whatever the name may be, He is worthy of His name. There's no doubt about it. And then, when, the reason we sing songs like that, and the reason we want to give praise and adoration is because, man, it's, He's deserving of it because of who He is and how loving He is. And we don't do those things out of obligation. I hope we don't. I hope we do it out of, man, just appreciation. God, You have, you have redeemed me. You have chased me. And so look at what it says. This is, this is uh, Paul writing. And this is Paul writing to the church in, at Philippi here. And it's Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And listen to what it says. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Paul is writing there. Is you might say, well, he's writing about the birth of Christ. He never took the time or never thought, you know, led of God to, to write about the birth of Christ, except for this, if you want to call it that. And what it is, it's a theological basis of why God left heaven. And so if you can get your mind around this, you know, what we do is, you know, we, we go to the Christmas scene. Like I said, we see the, the shepherds with the crook and, you know, and, you know, and, and the staff. And, and then you see the, you know, the, the baby scene there and you see Joseph and you see Mary and we think what an innocent, beautiful picture that is. You know, and, and so that's kind of where our mind goes. But here's the thing. God saw something so much more. God is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And so here's the thing is God looks at that and He sees something a little bit different than we do. So we don't always think like God does. We don't always think the same as He does. And so if we were looking to this passage here, again, it says, we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though He was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to stay there. I mean, think about this. God, who has in, what He's had His whole life, had been literally adoration, praise, worship. And it says that he didn't, he didn't think that was enough to hang on to. He wanted to provide a way for you and for me to be in right standing with God the Father. And then here's the thing. What we do is we wrestle. We go, all right, wait a minute. Hold on a second, Mike. You're saying that Jesus, who was this baby, was God? Yes, He is fully God but yet fully man. And so when we back up to last week, we talk about the virgin birth. That's why the virgin birth is so important. It's a miracle because here's the thing. You might say, well, why would God leave heaven to come here? Why would God leave heaven to come here? And, and you know, was there another way? And here's the thing. There's, there's no other way because we are all broken. We're all sinners. We have all made bad decisions. We have all been selfish. We have all been greedy. We have all been jealous. We have all been angry. We have all literally in some ways committed murder because we've hated people. And so God knows that you know, the only way to make things right is not for any of us to go to the cross, but for Him. Can you get your mind around that? Because see, here's the thing. Is we're all sinful people. I don't have to teach my kids to be bad, do you? I don't have to teach them to be sinful, do you? You know, and, and you don't have to you don't have to tell people what to do to to become sinful and j- selfish and greedy and jealous and angry. They get there all on their own. So that's why the virgin birth was so important because God said, "Hey, listen, Mary, I have placed within your womb something that is holy, 
holy, holy. And, and so the thing is, is Jesus was not of this world, but yet God would clothe himself with humanity and he would allow his only son to be born into this world, knowing, knowing that he was going to the cross. It says instead he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. All right, so get your mind around how much God loves you. You know, maybe you're one of those people who you always struggle with insecurities. I grew up struggling with insecurity, so I know what it's like. And oftentimes we don't feel good enough and we don't feel like anybody really loves us or nobody really cares or nobody really understands or whatever. And so we battle these insecurities and we don't feel like we qualify. We don't feel like we've got what it takes. We don't think we're smart enough. We don't think we're good enough. We don't think we've got anything to bring to the table. And here's the thing is, if you can get your mind around what I just said, God loved you enough, He left heaven to come get you. So there's people out there that would go, nobody loves me. God does. God loves you with a love you can't get your mind around. And so God loves you enough that He would leave heaven. He would pursue you. He is pursuing you even still. And so when I get my mind around the fact that God would leave heaven to come here to this broken world because of His love for me and love for all of mankind, man, that's, that's hard to get your mind around. I mean, you talk about a gift. You talk about a gift here at Christmas. What a gift. And that's exactly what the birth of our Savior is. It's a gift to the world. And God is saying, hey, listen, I loved you guys so much, I was willing to send my only son to die for you. It's a gift. So the whole Messiah, the whole birth, the whole gift is an incredible mission that God had put together. He had orchestrated. And then it drops down and it says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name of all other names. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And so here's the thing. you know, God, Paul is addressing it here. He's hey, listen... God left everything. He came and became a slave. He became the lowest of the low. But here's the thing. He went and he died a criminal's death. Not deserving of the cross. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but when I think about this time of the year, I don't always go to the cross, but I have this week. Usually this time of the year, I'm kind of like you guys. I'm thinking, hey, man, you know, the heavenly host in the sky, you know, the light, the sky is lit up. And the shepherds are out there trembling. And then all of a sudden he says, hey, fear not. I bring you good news. Man, you know, I, I bring you joy. Man, joy for the world. And you're thinking about all these positive things. You know, and, it's, and it is it's positive. It's exciting. But here's the thing. We look at that, and we get focused on that this season, but God was focused on the cross. God had a mission for this baby. And so look at this next one. God loves me enough to sacrifice for me. God loves me enough to sacrifice for me. I wanted to share a... A praise report. This is awesome. And so, a couple of weeks ago, on the, on the 9th of December, we took up the, the Big Give offering that day. That was kind of our, our day to bring it. And, uh, and, I, and I told you guys, you know, we're going to be taking it up through the end of the month. But that was the day we brought it. We put it on the, the table here. And so this year, you guys gave sacrificially. And uh, last year, I think we took in 37 or either 38,000 on that day. Well, this past uh, December the 9th, we took up $45,468. That's awesome. That is awesome. So that is exceeding the other that we did last year by a great amount. But I, and I think I said this even last week. What's even better is people, we still had a regular offering that was good. That was our sacrificial gift that day. All right, and so since then, 
We've taken in another $8,079.34. So right now we're at $53,547.34. As of right now, we've got about a week to go before the end of the year. So how cool is that, that we've already exceeded what we took in last year? I think last year we took in $50,400. We've already exceeded it. And so what I'm saying is, for many of you guys, you go, you know, that was a sacrifice for us to be able to give to that. And I get that. But you know why we would even consider that? It's because God sacrificed. Why would I consider sacrificing finances or whatever for missions and Bibles and ministry? Why would I do that? It's because God sacrificed for me. That's the reason I do that. You know, I don't have to earn God's favor. You know, I don't have to earn it by giving. But I want to because, you know what, that's what He modeled for me. He modeled giving sacrificially to the point of it hurting, breaking the heart even at times. And so whenever I look at this and I go, God loves me enough to sacrifice for me. Look at this. It, God, it says God clothed Himself with flesh. We call that the incarnation, the clothing with flesh. And so here's the thing, like I said, we see this precious little baby, but God the Father saw a sacrifice. He saw a perfect lamb. See, he couldn't be, not, he couldn't be born of man and woman because he would have taken on the very sin nature that we have. So he was placed within the virgin's womb as holy. And so, like I said, when we look into that manger scene, I think about this infant that's wrapped up in swaddling clothing. And I think about the shepherds standing around, and I see that scene. I see a baby in a manger, but God saw a Savior. God saw the cross. God saw the penalty for your sin and for my sin. And so to think about as, that, as Mary, it says, you know, Mary took all these things in and she pondered them. She thought on them. And, you know, and, I, and I, I was talking to a mom after the first service, she came up and she told me, she said, you know, I've got two beautiful babies. She goes, and I've never thought about Christmas and that manger scene quite like that. But for the father to go, this child will go to the cross for the ones that hold him for their sins. And she said, I've just never really thought about that. She goes, and she started tearing up thinking about her children and saying, could I have given them up so that they could die for other people? That's what God did. And that's the love that He has for us. God loves me enough to sacrifice for me. And so God clothed Himself with flesh. That's how much He loved us. And here's the other, without the virgin birth, there would be no lamb without blemish to sacrifice. So without it being done the way that God had orchestrated, that's why it's such a miracle, there would be no perfect lamb. There would be no sacrifice. And so understand, you know, the law required that there, there to be a, a sacrifice, the shedding of blood. That a, something had to lose its life in order for something to live. And, and so what we see is that Jesus gave His life so that we might live. And, and, and if you can get your mind around that again to go, you know what, man, this manger scene, this baby, this birth, you know, it, it's, it's critical that we understand that God became man. Because if, if God doesn't become man, Christmas is not that big of a deal. I don't know if you can get your mind around that, but Christmas is not that big of a deal if God does not become man. There's a great statement that says, it says this, it says, there was a time when, when Jesus was God, but not man. But there was never a time that Jesus was not God. So think about this. When Jesus is in that, in that baby form, in that manger, He's fully God. He's fully God. Now, I know for us, we're thinking, hey, Herod's trying to kill Him. They're trying to take Him out. You know, the, the wise men, you know, they, they, they're coming to look for Him, and, and they're told in a dream to go a different direction because Herod's trying to kill Him. 
Listen, God can take care of God. You know what I'm saying? God can take care of this baby, and He did. When we get to the cross, I think sometimes we think, well, you know, couldn't the, something have happened to keep Jesus from going to the cross? God was headed to the cross for you and for me from the very beginning. If we go all the way back to the Christmas birth, He's headed to the cross. You can't deter Him. It even says that darkness cannot hold Him back. It doesn't matter how dark this world is, it cannot hold back the light. And so the thing is, is He is headed there regardless of what we think. Because He loves us that much that He is willing to sacrifice for you and for me. And so God loves me enough to purchase me and pay my sin debt. It says without the, without the body there would be no shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. If, if Christ had not taken on human flesh, if God had not been, you know, incarnation had not taken place, if God had not taken on human flesh, there would have been no body to bleed out. There would have been no blood to be shed. And so here's the thing is whenever we look at the cross and we see the blood flowing down the side of Christ's head from the crown of thorns or we see the, the blood flowing forth from the side where they've run a spear into his side, God knew that that blood would pay for the sins of the world. And, and so whenever we look at that, we realize, you know what, it was with that precious blood of Christ that I was purchased, that I was redeemed, and that you were if you put your faith in Christ. It says, without the body there will be no shedding of blood. Look at this. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, but for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So we often use that passage to say, hey, listen, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. But it also says, hey, listen, you were purchased at such a high price. God gave His one and only Son that you might live. And so we don't, we don't follow Christ. and We don't worship out of obligation. But we do it out of, man, thankfulness. We, we, we serve with a grateful heart. We, we sing with a grateful heart. And we don't do it to earn His favor. We can't earn His favor. We can't sit here and say, well, if, I'm, if I read my Bible more, if I go to church more, if I give more, if I give a lot to the big give, then maybe God will like me. No, no, no. He, he loves you. And here's the thing. Even when you were caught up in your sins, He sent His Son to die for you. So we're not trying to earn Him His favor. We're not trying to qualify to get in. Our qualification is the blood that, that drips out of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's whenever it covers us that it washes us and makes us white as snow. And it's the payment that He made that covers our sin debt. It's not anything that we do to earn it, to get there. I'll be better. I'll go to church more. I'll serve more. I'll do this. Until, all we do is we cheapen what He's already done. So get your mind around that, that God loves you with a love that He would pursue you, He would sacrifice for you, and He would purchase you and pay for your debt. And then this last one, God loves me enough to fill me and seal me with His Holy Spirit. In other words, He's not just going to purchase you and then leave you to struggle. He's going to fill you with His Holy Spirit. I believe that whenever we put our faith in Christ for salvation, we ask Him to come and live within us, He comes and lives within us. Revelation says He stands at the door and knocks. And, and so as He's knocking on the door of my heart, and when I say, Jesus, I want you to come and live within me, and I want you to change me, I want you to redeem me, I want you to use me for your purposes, He comes in. And He fills us with His Spirit. And here's the thing. He seals us. He seals us with His Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Ephesians 4, 30-32 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. What an awesome promise. And so I think about that seal Back in the day, you know, a, a leader or 
an emperor or something like that would have a ring and it would be a signet. It would have his sign or his symbol on there. And they would take hot wax and if they were sending a document or something like that, they would put hot wax on there and they would press it in there. And, and it, here's the thing. The word for that means to form pretty much a, 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 a duplicate, if you would, of what that ring was. And so if it had his, his, his symbol on there, then it was considered official or it was considered sealed by the leader, whoever that might have been. And so what we see is, is we see that Jesus took on the form of God. That He took on, he took on man. And, and we say, well, here's God who literally takes on humanity. Well, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen what? The Father. And so what he's saying, he said, listen, I am in human form, but I am a representation of the Father. The religious leaders wanted to kill him for saying that. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're like, let's stone him. That's blasphemy. And what he was saying is, listen, I am a form. I am the signature. I am sealing you with, the, with, this, with this Holy Spirit. And what he's saying, hey, listen, it's official if I put my stamp on it. And so it's awesome for us to be able to look at this and say, you know what? God not only will save me, not only does he go to the cross and die for me, but he's willing to fill me with this Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me day in, day out. Jesus was said at the Great Commission. He tells us to go out and make disciples of all nations. And one of the things that he promised, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For those of us who have put our faith in Christ, he literally lives within us. It's not just God with us like we read Emmanuel, but it's God in us. God in us. So, when we look at the fact that God loves me enough to pursue me, God loves me enough to sacrifice for me, God loves me enough to purchase me and to pay my sin debt. And he loves me enough to fill me and seal me with His Holy Spirit. Shouldn't I love Him enough to live for Him? Shouldn't I love Him enough to want to worship Him? To lift holy hands unto the Lord? Shouldn't I love Him enough to want to share the message that changed my life? Shouldn't I love Him enough to want to tell others how Christ has changed me, how He saved me, how He's redeemed me? Shouldn't I love Him enough to fulfill what He calls the Great Commission? You know, to, to go out and to tell others about the saving grace of Christ. Baptize Him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't I love Him enough? If He loves me that much, shouldn't I love Him enough to do what He's asking me to do? Here's some next steps that we can take today. Number one, it says, I will stop running from God and receive His greatest gift. There may be some of you that, man, you're running from God. He's been pursuing you. He's been chasing after you. From, and, and here's the thing. If, when we read over here in John, it says from the very beginning. You, God, God was there in the very beginning. Jesus was there in the very beginning. The Word was there in the very beginning. He's been pursuing you all your life. And He wants a relationship with you. And He doesn't want you to try to earn it, try to qualify. He just wants you to say, thank you for the gift. I receive it by faith. That's all we have to do. And listen, we all we work for paychecks, man, right? So we think, hey, I have to earn this. I have to qualify for this. And this is one where the qualification is what Christ did on the cross. What we have to do is receive the gift of salvation. It almost sounds too easy, doesn't it? You're like, man, it needs to be, it's got to hurt a little bit. It's got to burn a little bit. And here's the thing is what, what God is saying. Listen, you couldn't cover it. I'm the only one that could. And so not only did he take on humanity, he literally would grow up and he would live and he would experience everything that we do. Everything that we go through, the pain, the rejection, 
And then here's the thing. He would go through the beating, the scourging. Instead of you and instead of me, he would go. And he would die a, a criminal's death. And I think sometimes we forget what the crucifixion was. Crucifixion was almost perfected torture is what it was called. And they would literally beat them and scourge them in such a way that they thought they were going to die. And then it would say, pick up that cross and take it where we're going to nail you to it. And then they would drop it into this hole and his flesh would tear as he hung on there. And then they would literally mock him and humiliate him. They would cast lots or gamble for his clothing. And so you're hanging there completely naked, total humiliation. So why would the God who had been experiencing adoration, praise, glory, leave heaven to come do that? Because He loves you and He loves me. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His what? His only Son. That whoever might believe. So think about that. I, I got a buddy of mine. He's put John three sixteen on everything. He he had a, a business where he sold like pickles and chili peppers and whatever it might have been. And every jar, every every container had John three sixteen on it. Everything he had, his business card, everything he had, John three sixteen. He said, "Man, the gospel is in John three sixteen. He said, "If people could just hear John three sixteen and receive it." He said, you know what? Then I've done my job. And so he worked hard to make sure that John 3.16 was heard. And that every chance he got, he got to share that with someone. You know what? He's right. Christmas is John 3.16. So God, for God so loved the world, He gave His only Son that we might live. That we might live. That we might have eternal life. Here's the second thing. I will focus on God's incredible gifts during this Christmas season. I know it's easy to lose focus during this season. But what if, what if we were to take the time individually and maybe even as a family to say, you know what, let's focus on what Christmas is really about. Let's focus on God's greatest gift. Let's focus on God's gifts that He gives us. You know, even the fruits of the Spirit, those, those are gifts that we receive in our life. Love, joy, peace. Who doesn't want that this time of the year? You know, and so, so we, we take the time. Maybe that's a step you take. You say, you know what, I will focus on God's incredible gifts during this Christmas season. And then look at this last one. I will seek to be led by God's Holy Spirit each day. If you've never put your faith in Christ, I can go ahead and tell you, you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. Now, I will say this. The Holy Spirit may be drawing you to God. The Holy Spirit may be tapping you on the shoulder. He may be tapping you on the heart today and say, you know what? This guy's talking to you. And so the Holy Spirit may be drawing you, but here's the thing. You don't have the Holy Spirit living within you until you accept Christ. And whenever you receive the greatest gift the world has ever known, that is our Savior, our Messiah, salvation through Him, when we put our faith in Christ, here's the thing, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we become God's children. It, it, it says it over here in John, we're adopted into His family, we become children of God. And the Bible says, whom God holds in His hand, no one can snatch away. And so maybe one of the things that we ought to do today is say, God, I want you to come and dwell within me. I want you to live within me. I don't want you to just live with me, God. I want you to live in me. And I want you to lead me, and I want you to guide me, and I want you to teach me, and I want you to equip me, and I want you to prepare me for the works of ministry that you have for me to do. God, that's my desire. So maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. That is the decision. Receive the gift. Receive the gift that Christmas is all about. And, and I would say for the rest of us that are believers, that are followers of Christ, is to remind ourselves, you know what, man, God, thank you for reminding me what Christmas is about. You had the cross in mind. You had my salvation in mind. You are the light that pierces the darkness. And God, thank you 
for saving me. And if anything else, this is what I would say. As we gather for Christmas around a table, or maybe around a Christmas tree, we take the time to let God know how thankful we are. And here's the thing. Share with maybe some of the family and friends around us why Christmas is important to us. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. The greatest gift you'll ever receive would be salvation through Jesus Christ. It's not anything that you have to go purchase. You have to earn. You just receive the gift. And man, I would love to lead you in a prayer that is nothing more than a surrender of your heart to receive that gift. Maybe you go, Mike, that's me. I've never thought about Christmas the way you've talked about it today. I've never thought about the baby in the manger quite like that. I never realized how much God loved me, that He would pursue me, that He would sacrifice for me, that He would purchase me, and that He would fill me. But that is, that is the love that I want to experience today. So maybe you're here, you've never put your faith in Christ. I want to encourage you to, to choose Jesus, to receive the gift of life. And it's as simple as this. It's, it's, it's really, it's a prayer of the heart. It's a surrender of the heart. It's, it's done by faith. It's not anything we have to work for. It's just, it's just, it's a decision of the heart. It's by faith. We just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you left heaven and you came here to save me. Jesus, I believe that you've been pursuing me. And Jesus, I believe that you can redeem me. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, come into my heart, and to save me. With all the faith that I have, that is my prayer. So, Jesus, will you change me? And his answer is yes. And, Jesus, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? His answer is yes. And so, if that is your prayer, the Bible says you will be saved. If you confess your sins, you repent of your sins, and you receive the gift of salvation, then you are His child, adopted into His family. And if you just prayed that prayer, man, I'd, I'd love to be able to know that, to be able to pray with you, pray for you. If, you. if you just prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Just raise it up high. I know it's kind of tough to raise our hands. Anybody in the room? I see your hand. All right. Anybody else? Just raise your hand high and just say, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody else? And maybe some of you, it's tough to raise your hand. I'm proud of you. If you made that decision today by faith, you are saved. You're a child of the King. Proud of you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. If you will, go back to the back afterwards. We've got a gift for you back there. It's a Bible. But maybe the rest of us in here, maybe we realize, you know what, man, I made a decision long ago. But let me ask you, are you living a life that is led by the Holy Spirit? Are you living a life that is surrendered to Christ? Do you know what? There's, there's days that I can go through times where I'm more led by my flesh than I am by the Spirit. God has to bring me back in line. And maybe today a, a good decision for you might be to say, God, I want to ask you to forgive me. My focus has been on the wrong thing. God, I want my focus to be on you, on your kingdom, on your righteousness, on your, on your ministry, God, and on your mission. So, God, will you forgive me? And, God, from this point forward, help me to stay focused on what matters most. Help me to stay focused on the true meaning of Christmas this season. Father, I thank you for meeting with us. God, I thank you for this one who's put her faith in you for salvation. God, it's a, it's a decision that we make 
But God, it changes everything that we do. And so God, I pray that you would just uh, bless the reading of your word today. God, that we would all be challenged and reminded of what Christmas is really about. And God, that we would, we would be able to get our mind around the fact that you would leave heaven to come here to this broken, nasty world. God, to die on a cross for us. That's how much you love us. And God, you want to redeem us and use us for great and mighty things. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the birth of a Savior. Thank you for that little scene there in Bethlehem. And God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.